All right. Mm. Uh, I guess we just get started. Yeah. Um, I gotta stop erming, but I can always take those out afterwards. Uh, <laughs> uh. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome back to season two of Syndrome. My name is Ben Wheeler. Syndrome is the podcast that I started here in Fiji uh, during lockdown as a way of getting to know some people through their favorite films and through film choices along a sort of selection process that I designed. This, uh, in the interim between the last season, we have had uh, the Rarama Film Festival, which celebrated Fijian filmmakers. Um, so for the second season, I've decided that I would like to speak to those filmmakers in more detail about their favorite movies and perhaps generate through these discussions some ideas for future productions that we can all get involved in. So my guest today is Mr. Clarence Das. Hi, Clarence. Hey, Ben. Thank you for having me on the show. Not a problem. Uh, thank you for making some of the most awesome uh, short films that I have seen in Fiji uh, and beyond even. I, I really highly rate them, as, as you well know. Um, as I am a terrible journalist, uh, I don't, I'm going to let you introduce yourself rather than introduce you. So the, the mic is yours. Okay. So uh, my name is Clarence Das. I uh, work as a video editor for the, for the University of the South Pacific. And um, I've had a long time passion for, for movies. I, who doesn't enjoy watching movies? But um, there was a time I sort of got into just not just beyond watching movies. I had an appreciation for how movies were made. And this appreciation led me to make some of my own short films. And aside from making short movies um, a while ago, because I haven't made any recently, I've, I'm also an illustrator and an avid fan of comic books. Yeah. That's, that you are. And I enjoy long walks in the rain. <laughs> and what would your perfect Sunday be? Probably a, uh, my perfect <laughs> Sunday would be I would probably start the morning... Uh, with a coffee and pie, probably a co no, probably a breakfast out. Maybe maybe a breakfast out. I love I love having breakfast out. But a, an after a Sunday afternoon, a perfect Sunday afternoon. I love watching movies in the afternoon. Yeah, something laid back. Usually, I save movies for Sundays that are that are a little bit more uh, mind consuming. That you have to sort of sit down and really think about. You know, like and it's and a, and a nice quiet Sunday really lends itself to that. Yeah, mm. definitely. Mm -mm. So do you remember your first visit to the cinema? Yes, I do. When, when you, because um, when, when, I, when I saw that question, I was like thinking, yeah, I, I do. I do remember um, going to watch uh, Batman 89. I do remember going to watch it, but beyond remembering going to watch it, I don't remember much else about it. I do remember my grandfather thinking I'd be really, he, he went with me because he thought it, it was too dark and I might be scared. Uh, so and of course you don't let it, I was like seven you don't let a seven year old go by by themselves well, actually no I'm gonna go back on that because my even though that's my earliest memory uh, probably my fondest memory of cinema though as a kid is uh, we used to have this cinema in um, this theater in in Mark Street called the Century and it used to it's I think it was it, it belonged to the Motor Brothers even then they 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 owned a lot of the cinemas around town and what they would do is on Saturdays for like two dollars they would play like three movies in a row or six movies in a row so my my grandparents would drop me off there 
in the morning while they go to the market shopping and stuff. I hated doing all that. And I would go to the arcade, play some video games, go watch a movie. And it would be something like, like, a, like a Van Damme movie or a Bruce Lee movie. So that was, that was, that was probably my earliest cinema-going experience, going to watch these uh, action blockbusters back-to-back for like $2. Yeah. And this and is why you have such a huge nostalgia for them. I for guess so. Things. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It's something that I grew up with, you know, and it's a special place for me. That's cool. I would love to have found a place like that when I was a when I was a teenager. So I I very much remember going to see uh, the the eighty nine Batman mm-hmm. because it was the first movie to ever get a twelve rating in the UK. Oh, I was okay. twelve in nineteen eighty nine, ah. so I got to I got to take part in that kind of very uh, fascinating kind of uh, the world of almost uh, grown up movies right. uh, opening up to to us because of this new classification. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I remember being quite blown away with it. Blown away. Uh, buy it go into watch it with a friend and we were up all night chatting about it afterwards that's interesting because in fiji growing up there weren't there weren't many restrictions with cinema for for, you could go like i mean like like when i was going to to watch all these movies at the century i'm sure a lot of them weren't made for six seven year olds so they didn't really have that restriction they only had like there was like two distinct categories there was either something you watch in the cinema or something raunchy which, which had like an R18 rating or an R21 rating. Otherwise, it was perfectly normal for a six-year-old boy to be watching like Rambo or Terminator or something. It was like, it's, oh, it's just an action flick. And even growing up at home with VHS tapes, my, my grandfather would have no problem with me watching Friday the 13th, but he would fast forward all the sex scenes. But someone getting their head chopped off with a machete was totally, totally fine. So that's we were we were, we we didn't have that many strict standards when it came to what we could view as kids here in Fiji. Yeah, mm. I th- I think I noticed that that's still kind of a thing, right? Definitely. That I when I go and watch films that I would perceive as quite violent, mm-hmm. that I'm often surprised to see that there are young children there with with mm. uh, with their parents or with whoever's kind of with them at that time, mm. um, and the uh the audience reactions which is something i always love talking about in fiji uh, it's very uh interactive process going oh, to the cinema in fiji but the biggest reactions are always romantic slash sexual scenes mm-hmm. not the violent scenes okay. you get the big whoops uh, and the big laughs right. um during anything kind of sexual right whereas the the murders and the killings and the beheadings as you say right never take it more in their stride right so maybe that's from from sort of uh, a, a long time of of that kind of thing being viewed as okay in it, cinema yeah, it might be like the pacific upbringing as well because um as you know like even like recently even things like sexual education is a fairly new concept for for fiji so so sex has always been a taboo thing and i think when you see it on screen it's it's like something cheeky that you shouldn't be watching and it's and i think even the even grown-ups get like a get like a kiddish reaction from it yeah, yeah. i think so Mm-mm. yeah the next uh section of this is mm-hmm. um all about trying to get into your personality mm-hmm. trying to get an understanding of you mm-hmm. via three films from three different categories right um i think we'll go do you have a preference with which you want to talk about no them? no in any any order then let's go physical physical uh, uh, okay uh, uh, your reason your, uh, d- uh, a description synopsis and your reasons i for will choosing. have to clarify 
What, what, what do you mean by physical? Okay. Okay. It's completely open to interpretation. A okay. film that you see as being somehow a representation of physical or physicality. Okay. It doesn't okay. have to be a kung fu movie right, or an action right. movie. Mm-hmm. It's just something, it could be something that gives you a visceral No, so reaction. we're on the same page. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, because first I was thinking like an athletics movie or like yeah. a sports movie. <laughs> Does it have to have Do I have to talk about Invictus it? now? No, no. Um, <laughs> you went to rugby. <laughs> yeah, I went to rugby. Uh, Gladiator. Boom. Yeah. All right. Now, Gladiator. this is a movie that I really want to rewatch because I haven't rewatched it for some time. Right. I've seen it two or three times and okay. I have really fond memories of it. Mm-mm. Why Gladiator? Take, okay. Wet so, my appetite. Okay. It, uh, I, I saw it in cinema when it came out. And um, I, 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 that, I, I knew I knew Ridley Scott from Alien, um, and I, I thought I'd check, I'd check out his cool Russell, Russell Crowe movie, and it just blew me away. And uh, at the time, I was really into horror movies and angsty books and comics, and this was like the, sort of like this, this journey, this, this sort of personal journey of a guy who has everything, loses everything, and then has to endure and get it all back, you know? Not even get it all back, but just sort of Make make an amend make an amends for it, yeah. And it was just just an emotional ride for me. I love I love the action in it. I love the uh, I love the characters. I love, um, and this is I'm not like trying to be like uh, I don't know what the word for it is. I'm not I'm not like militaristic or anything. But I love people with discipline. I love characters with discipline, like Batman and Captain. And I loved like how Marcus Aurelius has this. He's a disciplined Roman general who's been sort of thrown thrown off his game and he's, he has to work his way th- through these slums through these gladiator pits this this mi- once mighty leader of men who has to prove himself all over again and there's something powerful about it that I that I liked and this and it's like how everything is stacked against him you know and then but he still manages to just come out come come through it uh, just just being true to himself he never loses himself you know mm. yeah it's like it's it's uh, just from your description there. It's reminding me that it, it is pure pure narrative. Yeah, it's narrative. It's, it's equilibrium, A, B, conflict, C, D. yeah, yeah, and uh, the a, most a, basic disequilibrium and mm. returned equilibrium. Right, but he doesn't get it back. Mm. He gets something back. Right. He gets he yeah. he gets not even revenge. Yeah. Right, but he kind of proves himself again. Yeah. Right, as yeah. you say, and even in the end, he's selfless. Like like he doesn't like the whole thing is about. Um, so the basically the story is um, uh, he, he's he's a he's a he's a Roman general, uh, and and then and um, and uh, Marcus Aurelius, who is the uh, the Caesar at the time, because uh, he's Maximus, not Marcus Aurelius. Yeah, Marcus Aurelius was a Caesar at the time, who's supposed to be one of the wisest Caesars of Rome. I've got, I've got a mm. book of his uh, Seven Truths at home, all his philosophies. So he wants to make Rome um, a democracy. So he's going to hand it over to to uh, Maximus who he trusts won't keep it and he's going to give it back to the people. But of course, in the middle of the night, there's a plot and he gets killed by his own son. And um, that's, that's the basic turn. And then they, they turn on, on, on Maximus and he has to fight his way through. But for me, the, the, it, it's, it's, uh, the other thing about it is it's, it's an action movie, but the way that Russell Crowe portrays Maximus, it's not your run-of-the-mill uh, fearless glad there's so many gladiator movies but it's not your or your hard hedge hard hard, hard edge uh, unbreakable man the bit where he finds his wife and child and he cries and he's got the mucus coming out of his nose and he's so he's so pathetic and so miserable it's it's just it's just um it's just emotions we never saw i think if you look back at that time it just wasn't happening in the movies at the time yeah you would you never got these this this kind of action movie yeah that, that was so character driven not just action driven yeah you know? And it has some mad action in it. 
Oh, it's got yeah. some great action mm. in it, man. And uh, it's it's a, it's a high point for Ridley Scott for me. Definitely. I think I think he te- he he kind of went downhill yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I think he's trying that. to recreate that after that. Yeah, but yeah. Even going as far as getting Russell Crowe again for the Robin Hood movie and all this kind of stuff. But he, but I think just the cast, Joaquin Phoenix Joaquin, in there, I was say, and yeah. uh, and um, the guy who plays uh, Maximo who passed away um, during the filming of it. Oh, uh, Oliver Reed. Oliver Reed. Mm, mm. Did you hear how he died? Didn't he die on set laughing and drinking or something? No, he died uh, oh. yeah, challenging someone to a drink off. Hey. <laughs> he just drank way more alcohol than any human could take. And yeah, yeah I guess he couldn't take it. That's Oliver Reed, man. Yeah. So that was some be... great stories about him, but I'll save oh, those yeah. for another podcast. Yeah, but that was, and that, and that set me uh, on, a, on, a, on a tangent. I started getting into sort of um, Roman history after that. And then, and, and then uh, books set in that narrative is like a... That's a, it's a favorite narrative of mine now. Mm. A favorite setting of mine. Yeah. I have an excellent book you might like to borrow called Rubicon. Okay. Uh, if you haven't read it. No, by I haven't. Tom okay. Holland about the fall of the Roman Empire. Oh, interesting. Not Spider-Man. <laughs> Different Tom Holland. There's uh, a lot of Tom Hollands out there. There's a film director called Tom Holland oh, as well. Okay. <laughs> I okay. found out the other day. Uh-huh. But yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, okay, that's that's like kind of big bombastic cinema. Mm. So yeah. you've gone for that as your physical film. Yeah, and it, and it just happens it, to and be it's like a, blo- a big it's a blo- blo- blockbuster. And it, was, yeah. it, it won Best Director, I think, as well at I the time. I think so, yeah, 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 or Best Film. Best it's got, film, it's got a yeah. handful of uh, Oscars yeah, and, and a bunch, bunch of, of nominations yeah. under its belt, right? Mm-hmm. And usually when I, when I watch these awards, I'm like, nah, what are you talking about? You should have watched this. But Gladiator definitely is one of those movies where I, f- I feel like it deserves every praise it gets. You and must have been uh, late teens when it came out, right? Because I, I think I was, I was early twenties. Uh, I was eighteen. Yeah, I was eighteen yeah. when it came out. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a good time. Good mm-hmm. time for to be excited about yeah. movies and to not have the internet kind of creeping in and ruining oh, yeah, yeah. things a little bit. And it was it was very gr- sort of grown up compared to what I was watching at the time. I was watching a lot of like. Return of the Living Dead or something like just I used to watch a lot of like weird weird schlock growing yeah. up you know and this this was like a nice polished proper director proper cinematographer like a cinematic masterpiece you know but it had that visceral that physical quality yeah like, as you get with kind of the horror overlap, films whether you know? they're good or yeah, bad yeah, for sure this was brutal yeah, in many yeah. ways wasn't yeah. it this was my Gone with the Wind you nice. know yeah 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 um it's uh it's it's a great selection and like and they're making a sequel right i heard no, i didn't know that really yeah yeah, yeah. whoa crazy uh, i'm pretty sure uh, again ridley ridley trying to recapture something it's horrible yeah. <laughs> well it's not going to be russell crowe well i, I can't it, imagine what they're going to do with it yeah, yeah i think but crowe's involved some somewhere along the line interesting uh um maybe he's producing or something I'm sure I read something about it the other day. Mm. But yeah, I, I, I can't remember, so I won't talk too much about it. And just it. that line. It's got that... Every, every classic... Are, are you not, not entertained? entertained? You know, it's <laughs> just... Come on. That was, that's just so... But that's, one of those that's a beautiful kind there. of... Uh, it works on so many levels. Oh, right? for it's a sure. self-reflexive, you know. Yeah. It's like Ridley Scott saying, I've made the biggest... Yeah. In movie of yeah, my yeah. career. Was, what do you think of this, then? Yeah. What do you think of them apples? Inspired, uh, probably up there with, like... Like the the majesty of Ben Hur, you know, at the time, yeah, yeah. but like fifty years later or something, you know. And again, harkening back to those kind of those biblical and and right uh, those those kind of epics, yeah. those swords and sandals. Is that mm-hmm. what they used to yeah, be called? Yeah, swords and sandals. Uh, yeah. So yeah, the, the, the Hollywood and the film industry, all these film industries work in cycles. But I see, think. but it, but it wasn't it wasn't CGI driven. No, or it wasn't action driven. Like if they did that today, they'd probably cast The Rock as Maximus and he'd just be punching and kicking his way through the whole thing and smoldering and smoldering yeah you know and it's like but no this was like I think it was very decidedly everything he does is in character 
you know yeah. like it's and it's like every 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 sword fight every it's it's tactical which goes back to him as a person being mm. a being a logical tactical person so like, it's like nothing is out of place in that you know as far as I, and i've seen it like probably like 30 times in the last 20 years or maybe maybe more wow i watch it at least once a year for sure like um, and uh, I have to get, I get I have to get it on Blu-ray. I have it on DVD. I don't have it on Blu-ray. I have to get a. I would like to come and watch it with yeah, you. Yeah, we when should. You, when we you should. get it on Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's peak Crow. It's peak Scott. Definitely, yeah. Joaquin is on the ascendant. Just, just right? It's up, one of his yeah. early roles. Yeah. 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 Mm. All right, fantastic stuff, man. Excellent. I think we will move from physical uh, to emotional now. What did okay. you choose for your emotional film? For emotional, again, because because my my music my my my, my movie selection is always so it's so narrow. I, I I watch things so specifically, but there's one movie that I go to. Um, it's called Fifty Fifty, Seth Rogen, and uh, uh, Jason Gordon Levitt. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's it's a movie about a man who's di- who's who's diagnosed with uh, with cancer in his lower back, and he's got a fifty fifty percent chance to to survive it. And it's just him going through um, going through life, going through the motions of accepting whether he's going to live or die or not. And uh, I watched it in the middle of a breakup, and I was thinking like, I'm here worried about a breakup. This guy is either going to live or die, and it kind of put things into perspective for me as well the same way it put things into perspective for the for the lead character and uh and i appreciate the the humor in it as well that how they took such a such a serious topic of somebody who's about to either live or die and they injected it with like sort of like you gotta you gotta just find find the humor in it you know Mm. because life is the tragedy face and the the laughing face and and, they, and then that, that's what that movie taught me. It just taught me that sometimes even things, if things are going the bad way, there's got to be something to just sort of, yeah, take the edge off, you know? Yeah. 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 And my favorite scene is that, is if you haven't seen the movie, is a bit where they're, um, where Jason Levitt where Jason is going to shave his head because he's about to go for chemo. And then uh, he's, and he goes, where'd you, where'd you get this? And Seth Rogen hands him some clippers and he goes, where'd you get these clippers from? So uh, they're just around. And he's like, do you shave your balls with this? And he's like, something, or something like that. It's like, no. <laughs> and after he finishes doing it, he goes, I, I definitely shave my balls with that. You know? So it's, and it's, yeah, or, or like the, or like the bit where like, um, what are the odds? What are the odds? It's like, oh, it's 50-50. 50-50? Those are great odds. You know? <laughs> like, you know, when it's 50-50, you almost always win. You know, like, yeah. So I love that. I love that. Uh, it's, it's, it's like a feel good feel bad movie you yeah, know yeah. yeah it's an interesting one I, I i have seen it i've seen it once and um i remember being quite uh un, unnerved by the fact that that um joseph gordon levitt's character is super fit he swims all the time right oh, yeah. if i remember correctly yeah, yeah he's and that really throws seth rogan because he's like what are you talking about my friend is yeah. the fittest guy ever right um yeah, so, uh, uh, yeah, I, it's Judd Apatow, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, I think I need to rewatch it because yeah. uh, I've seen it, seen it once and I think it kind of unnerved me a little bit, which okay. is the point, right? It's right, a, it's a yeah. serious, it's a feel-good, feel-bad movie, like you say. Right, right. It's trying to draw laughter out of something that is yeah. something that's oft, more often uh, treated in, in a deadly serious way, not right. pun not intended. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And, and and that's that's what I loved about it. It's like, um, and also the fact, it's just like, yeah, like, like you were saying about how he's such, he's so, he's so fit. He's always looking after himself. Anything can happen in life, mm, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and you need your friends and family to, to get you through these things, you know? And it's like, and like, like I said, I don't watch too many movies like that. 
but that one immediately as soon as I, as soon as I saw the question mm. that immediately came to my mind I was like oh yeah this is this is my and I watch I bring it out every now and then yeah and it's got that great uh, end credit song from uh, Pearl Jam um, uh, yellow yellow lead let letter or something uh, oh, yeah it's, it's a I forgot the, uh, I can't believe I forgot the name of it <laughs> but that that's it just it just bookends the movie so well yeah Nice. The whole thing, even the soundtrack. I, I, I grew up on like '90s grunge, yeah. And it's uh, I think the, the the soundscape for the movie is sort of centered around that as well. Sort of like the I think it's the music the actors grew up with. So the soundtrack, the story, the characters. Mm. I love all of it. Yeah. They don't they don't go for a live then. No, <laughs> no, no, yeah, no, no. There's no like lightning crashes or anything. But also like no, um, no. I mean the Pearl Jam song. Oh, live! Oh, I thought you meant the band live. No, no. Alive, yeah, no, no, that's not good. Alive, oh, but also the other thing about that movie I, I also liked was, um, yeah, aside, it's it's got that, yeah, that oh, what what's the director's name, um, Apatow humor to it, mm. which uh, which I really like. I feel like he like even he's got the he did knocked up right. He did Knocked Up, and, um, uh, 40-Year-Old Virgin. 40-Year-Old Virgin, uh, yeah, yeah. He produced, uh, I'm not sure which of these he produces and directs because he goes into production, but he produced um, The Big Sick, which I was oh, going to ask okay. you about if you've okay, seen with, that. Uh, with uh, Kunal uh, Manji, Manjiani? Or? I think that's, yeah. I, I love him. Cool. He's, he's, uh, he's, a, he's one of my favourite actors. Yeah, yeah. And made his way into the Marvel, into Universe, the Marvel Universe recently. He's yeah, fantastic yeah. in that. Uh, he's a little bit Eternals. wasted in that. I, I feel like I, I wanted to see a little bit more from him. Wow, that, that was... Because he kind of just bounces out towards the end of the movie. We are being yeah. pinged back to Marvel discussions yeah, because yeah, no, if no, we're no, attached by elastic band... Rock that out. Rock that. It's, it's, it's a seven degrees of separation. It's, it's probably getting smaller and smaller in Hollywood. I think with the with the Eternals, though, I kind of like that the, the, that kind of um, non-specific approach. Mm. The, the idea that we were looking at a group of people right. who we'd only just been introduced to. You know, right, I had that right. sort of X-Men, that early X-Men kind of feel to the, it. The, the, the bit with him in the Eternals that really got me was when he's underground and the creature's on top of him and he goes, Dishoom! He makes that gun finger and he goes, Dishoom! Which is really funny because honestly, when little Indian kids play like pretend guns, the sound is Dishoom because in the old Indian movies, when they fire a gun and you have to go back and listen to this, you don't hear the bang of the gun. You hear the ricochet for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. You hear the ting instead of you hear the dishum instead of the bang. I don't know why. I don't know how that started in Indian cinema. But it was a thing in like the 80s and early 90s. That's you don't awesome. get the bang, you get the ricochet. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, going back to uh, Apatow. Yeah, I love, even in 40-Year-Old Virgin, which is such a silly movie, such a silly premise, hmm. but there's so much emotion in that one as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's interesting. I've, I've listened to interviews with um, um, yeah, Kunal Manjian. Manjia. I'm probably saying his surname yeah. wrong, but yeah. Uh, but and also um, Steve Carell right. recently, um, and they both with Forty Year Old Virgin and The Big Sick, they met Judd Apatow. He liked them. He liked their stand up or mm. something they'd done before. And he said, "Come to me and pitch me five ideas for movies." Oh, well. And I think literally the the each each film Forty Year Old Virgin and The Big Sick was the last kind of throwaway one oh, after well. they really really tried. And he'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, I like it." And then uh, then he was like, "Well, I did have this thing I used to do about a forty year old virgin sitting around playing poker with his friends." And he's like, that I like. But that's always the realest thing. You know, some, even, even for me, like sometimes I'll be, I'll be writing something or drawing something and I'll be thinking so much of it. And then this, this little back burner idea that you have, and you don't think much of it because it's the back burner. 
But because it's the back burner, you probably dedicate more time to that than anything you're writing or or or, or drawing or whatever. So that usually they're, they're the ones that are the, 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 the most baked. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do. I think that creativity exists on the periphery of concentration sure. and focus. Right? You yeah. get these things that kind of bristle on the yeah, edges yeah. of your consciousness and your your imagination. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want this to be like a weird plug or anything. But I'm just want to. I just want to say like like recently like, like a book. The book that I did. Uh, I did a comic book. And I did it for myself as a USB project for my lecturer. No one was supposed to see it. I spent more time drawing books that I want other people to see. This one is me. And, and that became something that got published instead of these other works that I've been spending so much time developing and working on to the point where sometimes I feel like, man, why this one? You know, I wanted <laughs> this idea to be the big one, you know? So, but yeah, so that's, I think that's the way it is because yeah. I, I guess you're just freer about it. Mm, you don't. Mm. You're not so hard on yourself about it. You don't you know? force it so much. You don't force you know, it so much. It comes a bit more organically, a bit yeah. more naturally. Mm. And that's one thing. Just I'm gonna try and reel it back to fifty-fifty. It's the mundaneness of it. It's just a slice of life. Mm. You know, it's just like it's nothing big. The whole movie starts off with does he have cancer, and it ends with you find out. I'm not gonna spoil it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but like, um, and it's just that it's 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 not. There's no. Um, there's not many highs and lows in it. It's a very. No. It's very flat. It's mm. a very flat movie. And Which it's kind of, I think, I think uh, Seth Rogen wrote it because his yeah. friend got cancer, yeah, right? Yeah. It's kind of based on it. Mm -mm. So he's just trying to capture yeah, yeah, that, the, the experience of, mm -mm. Of, of having a friend that goes through that. Right, yeah. Nicely pulled back. Mm. Anything else you want to say uh, no, just on 50-50? That. That's, that's all. That's all Wonderful. Yeah. Another great choice and another movie that I've had in my mind to rewatch just because I love the Apatow style. I love Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I love Seth Rogen. Mm. So, um, Joseph Gordon or Gordon-Joseph? Joseph, Joseph Gordon. Jason, Jason, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, Joseph. <laughs> We're Joseph, all not Jason. Wrong. Yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, our final uh, category is mm. uh, intellectual. Okay. I'm very excited to hear what you've got chosen for this. This one I had to really think about. Because, again, I watch a lot of schlock still. <laughs> but um, I was going to... Uh, okay. I'm going to give it to Zodiac. Mm -hmm. Zodiac with... Um, with Because um, I was going to... I was going to... I was thinking of some other stuff. And um, I feel like Zodiac is good. Because a lot of that movie is so underplayed. Mm. It's, it's sort of like everything is presented to you. And you sort of just watch it. And you piece things together. The same way the characters on the... I was going to give it to Fight Club, which is another Fincher movie. Or maybe Gone Girl, which is another yeah, Fincher movie. Yeah. But I, I decided to pick um, Zodiac because it's got my favorite ending. It's got my absolute favorite ending, which is so underplayed. Can we spoil on this show? Or, yeah, um, absolutely. We, we, That's you, like a 20-year-old movie, right? Yeah, it's a 20-year-old movie if you haven't seen it by now. But it's just the way the whole thing is about the killer might have a basement. He's, there's got to be somewhere where he's prepping stuff. Basement... Nobody in San Francisco has a basement, hardly ever. And then he, in the, right in the end, when he meets the last guy who's supposed to be the killer, he goes, Can you, if you're going to come down with me to my basement, I'll, I'll show you the stuff I've got. And then Jake Gyllenhaal's, oh, is it Jake Gyllenhaal? And he's like, oh, basement? You know, <laughs> yeah. like, it's, I love that ending. It's so, um, it's, it, 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 it could be such a dry piece of toast ending, but it's just like, oh my God, it's him. He's the one, you know? And of course you don't, they don't really lean hard into anything. No. But uh, I love it. It gave me chills. 
It gives me chills just thinking about it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, it's, it's a fantastic movie. Mm. And it's one of, Fincher is for me one of those directors who every, every film almost seems to be like a, like a jigsaw puzzle or a detective right. game, yeah. right? From yeah. seven onwards. Mm -mm. The other thing I like about it as an intellectual, because when, when you first said intellectual movie, I was thinking like, what's an intellectual movie? Rain Man? Uh, Beautiful Mind? But no, but I was thinking like, but even just the language of the film is you get so much from just, from just watching because of the way he frames things or the way that he, he presents a particular clue, when he uses a close-up, when he uses a wide shot, all these things, his, his, the language he uses to piece together his movies. And in particular, I feel like Seven was, was like one of his first breakout ones for me when I really noticed who he was. But I feel like Zodiac was like sort of like he, he knew all these tricks and he wasn't trying to pull your attention to everything he was doing. He just sort of laid them out and he lets you sort of go through it at your own pace. And uh, that's what I really love about it. I feel like it's it's a it's a crime thriller because no one knows what the, what the Zodiac Killer is. Mm, mm. But when you're watching it, you kind of like, it's like, um, yeah, you you you. I feel like I'm one of the detectives in this, in, the, in the in the show. Yeah. More so than watching something with like like a Sherlock Holmes theme or like a proper detective theme. In this one, I feel like I'm piecing it together along with um, with Robert Downey. And it's got the cast: Robert Downey Jr., Jake Gyllenhaal, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, Mark Ruffalo. You know, um, it almost reminds me of another movie which I'm not sure if you could class as intellectual as well but another favorite of mine which was LA Confidential Ooh. where you have all the characters who have their, have their little piece of the puzzle mm. but you need everybody to bring it in you know to find yeah, yeah. to find what's going on yeah it's one of those classic pulpy kind of is it Elmore Leonard uh, based on uh, uh, one of his books yeah maybe, yeah yeah or? yeah yeah, yeah. Um, the, uh, the, the LA Quartet yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a great, great mm. movie. Russell Crowe again. Russell is Russell Crowe Crow one of your favorite actors? He, you he is. Russell Crowe, Kurt, uh, Russell Crowe, and Kurt Russell. The Russell. I like the Russell. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, Kurt yeah. Russell though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he's the boy. He's yeah. amazing. But uh, back to back to Zodiac and yeah. Fincher. I, I I absolutely agree with what you're saying there. So I used to um, sometimes within my with my film classes, I used to get them to watch Seven mm -hmm. and and use it as an excellent way of. Um, showing how a filmmaker can can use a selection of shots, as you just said, mm. can choose a wide shot rather than a close up, mm. can choose a high angle rather than a low angle, because mm. they're playing a psychological game. Right. They're playing the viewer into right. a certain role. Mm -hmm. Whereas Zodiac, it's flatter, almost yeah. to the point of you could miss it. Yeah, yeah. It's brilliant. Definitely. It's brilliance is mm -hmm. mundane, to use a word that you used about 50-50. Yeah. You yeah. kind of like these, sometimes these just little ripples mm -hmm. cinematically. Yeah, for sure. Because I, I, I saw a video on uh, Seven once on YouTube, which talked about, uh, there's, there's a bit where, when Brad Pitt's character and Morgan Freeman's character, when they sort of, sort of get some idea of who the actual killer might be, uh, there's a shift in the way they're being framed. They're being framed individually, different camera angles, and when they get to the same page as to who the killer is, they're in the frame together. Mm. These mm. little things, you know? And I feel like in, um, in Zodiac, uh, and I watched this movie a couple of times as well, uh, a lot of the times, the characters are in isolation. They are sort of doing these things by themselves. You know, you might see Robert Downey Jr. and Jake Gyllenhaal in the in the in the because they they're working for the same paper. Ruffalo's always on his own, and we don't know who the killer is, and they never definitively know as well because at no point do they ever get to bring their resources together. Yeah, you know, to yeah. to finalize it. Yeah, I do kind of wish I I I I am thinking now if I should have picked. Um, LA Confidential as well, because I have a lot to talk about that movie as well. But maybe I can say that for the next podcast. But, but, but similar, similar reasons. Yeah. Because that one there, is, it, 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 there's a lot of clever, clever gimmick. Like, the, like the, the basement scene is my favorite bit of, um, of uh, Zodiac. 
But in it's LA like Confidential, uh, they're all Tomasi when he goes, <laughs> So, did he mention. Uh, who the suspect might be, and he goes, yeah, he mentioned Rolo Tomasi, you know, and it's like, whoa, and the, just from that one thing, the whole thing unravels, you know? Yeah. 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 That's kind of like, uh, that's like a 90s thing, maybe, like you got Kaiser so. Soze and he's, Rolo Tomasi. He was dead all along, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a proper 90s trope. Yeah. I'm going to take it back to what I was saying about context and, and, and universal appeal. Um, from, from the Rama Festival, one of my favorite movies was Epi's movie. The one uh, with the, with the fight. Yeah, with, yeah. No, no, not, not Bera. The other oh, one. Oh, Satava. Yeah, Satava. Yes, yes. Oh, sorry. So it was uh, Esikaya's was better. That's a classic example of, uh, of, uh, of how something has sort of gone into the cultural uh, zeitgeist, but without even realizing it. Because afterwards, we talked to Epi and we were like, hey, that bit in the end where the camera switched... Was that on purpose to make it look like an old Chinese movie? And he goes, no, uh, my camera went bad or something. We have to use a different camera. But he's yeah. doing all these things in, this, in the movies. He doesn't even realize where he's getting the inspiration from. You yeah. know? And that's great. That's why you should just watch everything because you never know what's going to stick. Definitely. You know? And I love that. And that's sort of that, that idea of interpretation that you bring these interpretations yeah. to a viewing. So in the same movie, yeah. um, uh, Stacey's... Uh, Shoes. They yeah. went and bought them from a from a thrift store. Right. By the end of the movie, they're falling apart and they're held together with yeah. tape. I thought that was kind of a representation of this 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 guy this this character kind of poor. Same. So he had all these cool <laughs> motifs in the in, in, in the in the movie, which sort of alluded to so much, because you could think about it like like because the person is a the person is a is a is a trans is a, well L, someone from the LGBT community. Yeah. And queer it, it's a, always a, queer. a good kind of okay so a, a queer person in this movie maybe um, she doesn't have access to um, to high heels or maybe she's in a, in a in a situation where she can't get the the dress she wants so she's sort of making this makeshift outfit and that adds so much character to her yeah. but it was like no 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 that's the, the, the shoes broke that's why we put uh the thing of the tape on it, but yeah, he, but he kind of reinforces the same idea. These yeah. are filmmakers making; they don't have they don't have the money for an extra set of shoes, right. so they got to bind it up. So yeah. it kind of speaks to the same thing, right? right? But but that, that that rawness of his of his filmmaking injected so many connotations and so many levels to it. He didn't even realize, hmm. and it worked. He had he was saying so much uh, in the in the cinematic language, without even knowing the cinematic language. But it, I guess it just goes. Maybe he just watched so many great movies, and he just emulated that you know he's yeah. uh, has an, a, a, a hugely impressive encyclopedic knowledge mm. of, of of films and directors mm. that i really didn't expect him to right. which is perhaps uh perhaps a little bit uh, patronizing of me but uh, I, was very, I was very impressed yeah, by, no, when uh, in I, my when discussions I, with him yeah when i say he doesn't know the cinematic language i don't mean i don't mean he doesn't know cinema but i feel like no. there's, like, there's like so many things like, that you could learn in film school that they'll interject into you put the thing this way you put the camera this way and it adds this he didn't study any of that. Yeah. He but just he just inherently, in he inherently knows it, yeah. which was great, you know? Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. And Epi Varuna will be joining me on this podcast in following weeks. Yeah. Uh, cool, man. That's a nice place to end it. I'm glad you pulled it back no there from, from our hugely repetitive, and some <laughs> might say formulaic, discussion of Marvel DC. <laughs> right, right. Comic book franchises. Um, any, any, any final words you'd like to pop out there? I, you already kind of pulled it back somewhere you wanted to. Yeah, no, I'm, I, I just want missed. to encourage people to um, not worry about review scores or what other people think. If a movie is remotely interesting to you, just go and watch it. And uh, and try and find stuff that you might not even know about. Just um, something like it doesn't have to be like a major 
studio thing. Just watch as many movies as you can and, um, and support your local film industry. It's something that's just starting and I, and I really appreciated your uh, Rorama Festival because um, it was really funny how when we were looking for those movie files and you were asking me, oh, your, your, your filing capabilities are horrible, you know? Like, <laughs> it's because before you came along with this festival, there was no outlet for my short films. You know, so I really hope we do get to see more of these, of these festivals and that we can give uh, local filmmakers something to sort of um, make their products for mm. and not just for themselves. You know, I mean, it's good, cool to make stuff for them, but it's nice to be recognized for your work. So, yeah, thank you for the thank you for having me on the show and thank you for the festival. It was, it was wonderful. And I hope to see um, I can't wait to listen to the podcast and the other other people you have on. And I hope we have more festivals. Yeah, mm. ah, so do I. Thank you for, um, you know, just being an incredible filmmaker, right. I think. Uh, en- Envy was, was I think, the the emotional, visceral hit of the festival. Excellent. It provoked so much uh, in the way of audience responses. And, and I, I was so... Uh, not maybe not shocked but but surprised to learn that it was perhaps the first time it had ever been screened on yeah. a big screen with a big Once, audience yeah. it had just been streamed before mm. and i'm so happy that it that we we got to organize it together and experience it together yeah, it was, thank you for making it part of the festival it was fun watching the audience reaction yeah. it was Excellent. all right clarence das thank you very much for appearing on syndrome <laughs>